Welcome to EAU Podcasts. In this edition, Professor Nicholas Motet, Chair of the EAU Guidelines Panel for Prostate Cancer, discusses which are the most important changes in the new EAU Guidelines for Prostate Cancer Treatment and discusses in more detail perineal biopsy, staging PSMA and adjuvant radiotherapy. Professor Motet, what are the most important points that you have modified in the guideline text of 2021? We also suggested that all metastatic patients should be offered germline testing uh, and at least germline or somatic genomic testing, mainly for homologous repair and MMR defects. Either it should be done on metastatic prostate carcinoma or it can also be done on the primary tumor, provided it's not so long t- it was not taken such a while ago. This might have major impact in treatment decision, as probably you know, that now we level one evidence for a drug that targets specifically patients with homologous and also um, um, heterologous DDR defects. For the MMR assessment, it can be performed by immunohistochemistry. Uh, searching for MSH2, MSH6, MLH1, and PMS2, or by next-generation sequencing assay. At the same time, microsatellite instability might also be interested to find as the two latest um, modifications like MMR and MSI instability are associated with the the use of pembrolizumab, which has been approved for this kind of patient irrespective of the nature of the primary. So this represents a major change in what we're doing so far, but also has a lot of issues regarding its feasibility. The other point I wanted to discuss is probably one of the most important points we have modified in our guideline text is how to approach biopsy and antibioprophylaxy. We all agree that MRI is a must-do before every biopsy, especially the first one. And if you find a target that is a pyrrhus lesion 3, 4, or 5 on the MRI, you should combine systematic plus targeted biopsy. Once again, we recognize the fact that no fusion software, whatever the technology you're using, has ever shown better results comparing, compared to a cognitive fusion, and probably none of them is superior to any other. The most important thing is regarding the approach. We have a formal systematic review and formal meta-analysis comparing MRI-targeted therapy, a targeted treat, treat, uh, biopsy, comparing the transrectal and the transperineal approach. The later one showed a higher sensitivity for detecting clinically significant prostate cancer compared to the transrectal approach. When you do this targeted biopsy, you must take at least three to four courses per target to be accurate. The main modification we made regarding the the biopsy approach 
in the road. It's a strong recommendation in 2021 that routine approach should be transperineal. That is mainly coming from randomized uh, from multiple trials, multiple cohorts, and uh, on top of that, a systematic review, including a huge number of patients showing clearly a decreased risk, a very significant decreased risk of infectious complication, a lower readmission rate for sepsis, comparing transperineal and transrectal approach. It's roughly half, not to say even less, with transperineal compared to transrectal. So clearly, it should become standard of care in 2021 for prostate biopsy. It's perfectly feasible using a local anesthesia, and you don't need a complete anesthesia to do that. The other point I want to highlight regarding biopsy is prophylaxis. The main message is when you're doing a transrectal biopsy, which again, you should no longer be doing, you should be aware that quinolones should no longer be used for that. There has been an EU final decision, and you will find the reference in the guidelines clearly um, um, showing that quinolones have no place at all in prostate biopsy prevention. On the opposite, if you want to do a transrectal approach, you have to use either a, a prophylaxis based on rectal swap or stool culture, or an augmented prophylaxis or alternative antibiotics, and you will find a list of them in the guidelines. If you go for a transperineal approach with one again, should be standard of care. You must use uh, a skin disinfection as any for any surgical approach. There's no level one evidence for the optimal way in terms of antibioprophylaxis. Urine culture must be sterile, and there have been a suggestion that it might be a single dose of cefuroxime, of cefalexine, or cefazolin to be used for prophylaxis. The main change, again, is the approach, and clearly, by the end of 2021, transrectal should have been completely gone with that. Could you tell us something about PSMA PET imaging? What is the place for PSMA PET imaging, and are there limitations? We have very clear evidence now that PET-PSMA and MRI provide a much more sensitive detection for lymph node and metastasis compared to the old-fashioned bone scan and CT scan. There's no doubt about that. We have, for example, a a randomized controlled trial, the pro-PSMA trial, that clearly showed a better sensitivity and specificity for PET-PSMA. That is especially true for high-risk prostate cancer undergoing initial staging. However, there's a major limit of this imaging way. We have absolutely no idea on how to treat patients with metastasis only seen on PET-PSMA when there's nothing seen 
on bone scan and CT scan, we don't know if they have to be treated in a standard way for metastatic patients or if they must be treated in a standard way for M0 patients, old-fashioned definition. We don't know if this more accurate st initial staging is leading to a more to an improved outcome. And so we are very careful about that. And we clearly say that randomized trials which are underway should be awaited before a decision can be made to treat patients with these metastases based on purely PET-PSMA as upfront staging. You will find a very nice editorial by Philip Comfort in a European Urology on this specific point. At relapse, PET plays a major role. After surgery, you might start using it when the PSA is above 0.2, when you have a PET PSMA, or when, she, when, when a PSA is above 1, when you only use PET coline. But I would urge you, I would urge you not to wait for a positive PET when you consider salvage. Salvage at relapse must be done immediately when needed, especially when patients are at a high risk when they relapse, meaning they have a high Gleason, a high ESIP score, or even worse, a very short PSA doubling time. And even if the PET PSMA is negative, don't wait for it to be positive. Just let me remind you all the data we have show that when the PSA is below 0.5, more than 50% of the cases have a negative PET PSMA. So when you do it, do it immediately. These are the main change regarding imaging. Could you also discuss the place of adjuvant radiotherapy after radical prostatectomy? You remember that there have been three randomized controlled trials showing that adjuvant radiotherapy compared to salvage was associated with an, immediate, was an, uh, um, an advantage in terms of relapse-free survival. That's clear. However, there, there were a lot of meta methodological issues with this practice. And very recently this year, at least 2020, there were three randomized controlled trials pub published and a formal systematic review and meta-analysis published at the same time. The three trials were radicals, RAVES, and JTUG FU17. They used various inclusion criteria, various templates for radiotherapy, various use of ADT. Uh, not the majority of patients received concomitant ADT. And the three trials compared adjuvant versus salvage radiotherapy. The formal meta-analysis suggested there was absolutely no benefit for adjuvant compared to salvage. Furthermore, adjuvant was associated with an increased toxicity compared to salvage. Therefore, it was suggested that adjuvant should be definitely omitted, favoring salvage. We fully support that in guidelines except for the highest risk, mainly patients who have, who have um, 
uh, an ISIP 4 or 5 or lymph node involvement or uh, um, seminal vesicle involvement. They're highest risk. Just because those men represent a very small cohort of the patients included. And furthermore, because a follow-up of, of this uh, formal metalysis is quite short, is less than five years. So we still consider that adjuvant radiotherapy must still be discussed for the highest risk patient, that is patients with an undetectable PSA, but an ISIP grade group of four or five, and a PT3B with or without positive margins. We still believe it should be a strong recommendation for that. At the same time, we fully acknowledge that uh, combining salvage radiotherapy plus AEDT should be systematically discussed as we have two trials, show, one showing an overall survival benefit with two years of bicalutamide and one showing a relapse-free survival and a very clear trend for meds-free survival with six months of agonists. Thank you for joining Professor Motet for this episode of EAU podcast on prostate cancer treatment. For further information on the EAU guidelines on prostate cancer, please visit our website www.euroweb.org forward slash guidelines. For more EAU podcasts, please go to your favourite podcast app and subscribe to our EAU podcast channel for regular updates.